Great. Well, don't you just love it when God is speaking? Uh, and I'm very encouraged because, as um, I think Ty mentioned a few moments ago, when things come together uh, and threads coming through what is being said, really encouraging and hope uh, that will pick up in some of the things I've got to share this morning. Uh, but isn't life complex? Whoa, it's complex. We've heard about healings and we've heard about people who aren't healed and the challenges that that brings. And in this complex world, we need wisdom, don't we? And we're on this series on wisdom, and this is the third uh, session on that. And we want to talk today about guarding your heart, guarding your heart. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Now, I'm going to do, uh, refer to a lot of Scripture this morning. If you want to take notes, you don't have to write the Scripture. You can write the Scripture reference down. They'll come up on screen, okay? Um, but uh, I've not printed out all the scriptures because you would have reams and reams of them but I'm going to give it my best shot this morning so Proverbs 4 and if you've got the NIV Bible it probably says a little title often at the top of the chapter and at the top of the chapter on this one it says get wisdom at any cost I don't know what price you put on wisdom but that's what Solomon suggests but let's go to verse 20 and he says this my son pay attention to what I say Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's one's whole body. Anyone want a bit of life and a bit of health? Get into the word of God. Above all else, guard your heart, says verse 23, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to your paths, to the paths of your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. But that exhortation there, verse 23, guard your heart, or someone puts it, above all else. Somebody say, above all else. Above all else, guard your heart. Uh, for it is, and some translations say, it's the wellspring of life. Hmm. Okay, let's have a little think about heart. What does, what does the Bible mean when it uses the word heart? It's used lots and lots through Scripture. It's not meaning the pump, that we have the physical pump, but it's meaning something more than that. It's talking about um, that center of us, who we are. It's our desires. It's our passions. Uh, it's where... We do our thinking. It's that whole processing thing. And it, out of that flows all sorts of stuff. So why guard our hearts? Well, I'm going to suggest three reasons this morning why we should guard our hearts. Number one, because your heart is extremely valuable. Every other Sunday evening, I get my green wheelie bin and I wheel it out of my driveway and I put it on the pavement and I'll leave it there overnight. And nobody nicks it. Why? Because it's full of rubbish. I don't have to guard it. But I tell you what, I have to guard my heart. And I suggest, submit to you that you probably have to guard yours. The heart is the center of us. It's our core. It's who we are. And it's interesting when you look at Scripture, and people are often referred to according to their hearts. So you think about Solomon, for example. We talked about this a few weeks ago. When God said to him, uh, you can have what you want. What a great, what a great thing to, for God to say to you. And, so, and uh, Solomon says, 
Lord, give me wisdom. And the Lord says to him in 1 Kings 3.12, he says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. How many of you know since that time, Solomon has been known as a guy with a wise heart? It's something that's stuck through the centuries. And then if you, other definitions, um, if you look at Psalm 24, you, you read about the pure in heart. Um, where the psalmist says in verse 3 and 4, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Pure heart, pure motives. In fact, Jesus picks up on this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, and he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Seems to suggest to me that if we want to see him, we need right hearts, pure hearts. Then again, the psalmist picks up on those who are upright and righteous. Upright and right, those with upright and righteous hearts. In fact, he says in uh, Psalm, 70, uh, sorry, Psalm 11 and verse 2, he said, actually, for those of you who are upright and righteous in heart, watch out. Because there will, though, there will be those who will bend the bow and fire arrows at you. How many of you know there's an enemy out there seeking to get at your heart and my heart? We'll come on to that in a few minutes' time. Upright and righteous. Again, David, referring to him, it says in Psalm 78 that David shepherded his people with integrity of heart. Having a right heart, a righteous heart. And then in the New Testament, you read of those who have a noble and good heart. Noble's not a word we tend to use a lot in modern parlance. I suppose... Um, Somebody who has, uh, I guess, um, somebody who's honourable, noble. Jesus said this, when he's talking about the, remember the time when he talked about the seed being sown and he talked about the good seed going in good ground. And he said, with regard to that, when seed goes into good soil, Luke 8, verse 15, for those with a noble heart, he said, those who hear the word retain it and persevere and produce a good crop. So there's different sort of things that, uh, definitions if you like, uh, that the heart is used to describe individuals. I don't know, it would be great to be known as a people of a pure heart, of a right heart, hearts of integrity, hearts that are noble and good. But just like your physical heart and your physical body, um, when there's something wrong with your heart, it affects everything, doesn't it? Naturally speaking, if you get a problem and the medics pick up on it, and what a great thing that we have the NHS and the medical provision that we do in the UK, that are able to pinpoint things, do things that are quite incredible, um, that, you know, if I think about too much, I'll fall flat on the floor because I don't do blood and all that sort of thing. Um, but when there's things wrong with your natural heart, it affects your whole body. So it is with the heart that the Bible's talking about as well. If there are things wrong, it begins to affect. That's why Solomon says, above all else, not, it would be nice if you guarded your heart, or could I humbly suggest that you carefully think about and ponder on these things. Now he says, cut that out. He said, just do it. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. 
Second reason why to guard your heart, because it's the source of everything we do. We read it there in Proverbs 4.23. The spring of life, or the wellspring of life, as some translations puts it. Your heart overflows into thoughts, into speech, and into action. Um, If you think about that wellspring, if you think about a natural spring, what's a natural spring? It's water that's coming up from deep in the ground, begins to emerge to the surface, it creates a pool, which then potentially creates a stream, which then potentially creates a river. If that wellspring is contaminated, the pool, the spring, the stream, and the river are all contaminated. Everything is affected if something's gone wrong at the wellhead, the spring. Likewise, our hearts, if they're not healthy, it's going to affect everything all about us. Our thoughts, our actions. You know, it can affect our relationships. My heart isn't right. It can affect my relationships and my family, my relationships with the people around me, the people I work among, the people you work among. If your heart is not right, it changes everything. But if you can maintain a good heart, a pure heart, then that can transform circumstances that can be quite difficult. We find ourselves in difficult places at at different times. The heart is also the seat of the conscience. Everybody got a conscience? Some of you are not conscious, I don't think, this one. Everybody got a conscience. Apostle Paul says this, you know, and he's talking about the Gentiles who have not been brought up with the Jewish law. And he says to them, he says about them, actually, in Romans 2, verse 5, he says, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts, even, if even though they've not been brought up on it. It's written in their hearts. God has done something. There's something happening in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. There's something deep inside us, that conscious conscience that kicks in. And there's a deep understanding in all of us of what is good and wholesome and what is right. The heart is the seat of our deepest trust, isn't it? You know, if trust is gone, if you've lost trust in somebody or they've lost trust in you, that is a huge one. To rebuild takes a long, long time. But everything flows from the heart. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we need to be careful what we think about. Think about that. What are we thinking about? What are are we allowing through our eyes and through our ears into our hearts? What are we thinking about? Because what we end up thinking about shows up in so many ways. So if we've got a good heart, a good spring coming out of us, great. If we've got a tainted heart, we're going to be in challenge and difficulty. And here's a bit of a challenge. Because there's a bit of a default, a natural default with, human, with humanity, isn't there? 
God says it in Genesis uh, 8, way back at the beginning of Scripture, when he says, every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Whoa, that's a bit of a default since the fall of man. I've said this before, how many of you have ever, if you've got kids, how many of you have ever had to tell your children or teach them to be naughty? They just have this knack, this ability to be able to pull it off without any training or discipline in any way, shape or form. There's a default somewhere in our humanity. But here's the good news. The heart is where salvation takes place. Hello? Listen to Paul again in Romans 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because it's valuable. It's the source of everything you do. But the third reason to guard your heart is because it is under constant attack. Or is it just me? Huh? When Solomon says guard your heart, it seems to suggest or imply that we are living in something of a combat zone. And I think sometimes we are a little bit oblivious to the devil's schemes and tactics. that will try and get us. He will use various tactics to attack your my heart. He'll try to get you to believe a lie. How many know that's what he did right from the very beginning when he challenged Adam and Eve? And Jesus picks up on this in John 8, verse 44, and he says, the devil is the father of lies. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to handle a lie, spin a lie into your thoughts and my thoughts, into your heart and my heart, that will get us to view things with the wrong perspective. Two chapters later on, he again referring to him, he says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But here's the good news, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and have it to the full. The devil uses, prompts us to misplace our affections. When we take God from that central throne in our hearts and lives and put something else there. It was a sad indictment the day that Jesus spoke to, I think it was the Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And he spoke to them and he said, these people, Matthew 15 These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Wow. You know, we can have all the right language sometimes, but where is our heart? He said, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Lord, help me never to get that it's just vain language that I'm speaking out. Even in our gathering today, with all the stories we've had, with all the focus that we've had in our worship and our adoration to the Lord we can get distracted can't we Lord help me to keep my eyes aligned on you and then I think the devil uses bad influences in our lives Um, Proverbs 24 first couple of verses he says do not envy the wicked do not desire their company for their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. Tim Keller, who's a leader of a large church in New York, in the USA, written a number of books, and he says this. He says, do not, en- sorry, socialists tell us, sorry, not socialists, 
Sociologists. Great. Closely. Anyway, no, no, better not go there. Sociologists tell us that we tend to find most plausible the ideas of the people with whom we spend the most time and to whom our admiration is most defined. Um, I was at a leaders' gathering recently. I was trying to remember. I should have asked Amrish to remember. Uh, leaders' gathering recently, um, and and the person speaking just threw a one-liner out, really, and asked this question. They said, "Who are the five people you spend the most time with?" And then the follow-on line to that was, "Are they influencing you for good or for?" Now, we all have things that we've got to do. We're in family settings, we're in workplaces, etc. And they're not sometimes all as wholesome as we hope that they may be. But where we can, who are the the people we are spending our time with? Are they helping us or hindering us? Then the devil will use disappointment, won't he, to attack our hearts. Um, Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, he goes on. Um, it's interesting. We, we get uh, disappointed by various things. It could be, you know, I know a number of you have been applying for jobs recently because you've been telling me. And I know a number of you have applied for the same job in some cases. So... Inevitably, unless these employers are going to create more jobs, there will be a measure of disappointment. How do you handle that when... Don't let the devil breed on that, as it were. Keep in mind the bigger picture. Even though we might not understand things at the time, we've been hearing something about that in the stories we were hearing earlier. You know, sometimes God may get our attention... You know, you you may have applied for a job because you've seen it in the last few weeks, but maybe that was part of God getting your attention for something better yet to come. Somebody quoted it. I'm not sure it was uh, Kirsten, you. For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Don't let the devil feed on potential disappointments in your life and then there's unresolved hurts you know Proverbs 18 19 a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified cities disputes are like a barred city uh, barred gates of a citadel um, we get hurt don't we put your hand up if you've never been hurt by somebody else okay you're in good company uh, how do you deal with that You can bear a grudge, you can harbor it, you can... Maybe we should just give it to the Lord in these things and say, Lord, if I need to do something, if I need to ask for forgiveness of a person, Lord, help me to see that. But Lord, would you help me journey through this? But let's not let hurt. The devil would try to use hurt in your heart and mind to stop you moving forward in God, to send you backwards even. And then there's envy, isn't there? 
trying to keep up with the Joneses, it's not a good idea. Proverbs 23, 17, do not let your hearts envy sinners. Not that Joneses are sinners, sorry about that. Um, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord, for surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Um, What did the apostles say? I have learned to be content, whatever my circumstances. Lord, help me, my heart. To be, I've just realized some more Joneses over there at the Ecosera. <laughs> I was not referring to those Joneses over there when I was talking about sinners. <laughs> uh, then there's the fear of man. You know, Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And a lot of this is putting our eyes back on the Lord again, isn't it? Um, and then there's trauma. You know, we've been hearing about that. We face traumas in life, lose a loved one. Proverbs 18, Solomon says this, a human spirit can endure in times of illness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. And a lot of the things we were hearing earlier really brought us, you know, in the song we sang, we've got to keep that in mind. There'll be another in the fire. Standing next to me. Everybody say, standing next to me. There'll be another in the fire. I know I'll never be alone. Perhaps the musicians will come back. I'll wrap this up. So how do we mend? If we, if we feel that we are casualties of maybe one or two of those things I've just mentioned, how do we heal that or how do we protect our hearts? Well, I think first and foremost, this is a supernatural thing we're asking God to do. Um, Ezekiel 36, 26, one of God's promises. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'm God, you're serving a supernatural God who transforms things. Some of the corruption and the stain in our hearts that seems impossible to deal with, naturally speaking, God says, I'll deal with it. Give it to me and I'll deal with it. Maybe the people in here this morning... You just say, David, you do not know my life. You don't know the story of my life. I'm not sure I could ever be forgiven. I want to tell you, God is out to forgive you because of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for you. He'll give you a new heart. There'll be a total restart. He said, the old is go and the new will come. So I think firstly, it's recognizing that we serve a God who's out to give us new heart. Then we live in the spotlight of God's word. Have you ever read God's word and it just sort of jumps at you and hits you in the chest, as it were, and you think that was right for me right there. God's speaking right now. And I think if we can keep the word of God before us on a regular basis, we read it in that passage in Proverbs 4, Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. And then decide to be a person of integrity. You know, we've got decisions to make. We have a life full of choices. Are we going to do the right things? Are we going to do the honest and upright things, the things that we reflect a pure heart? Again, in that chapter that I read, He goes on to say, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make those choices that are right. 
walking the right paths. You know, we can all look over our lives historically and say, well, I, there have been times where I've made some dodgy choices. Things which if I could, I would go back. And, well, we cannot live in regret, but we can live from where we are now and we can say, we can say, Lord, I want to make right paths that you have for me. Give careful thoughts. Again, Proverbs 4, the verses we read. Give careful thoughts to your paths, for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. But then finally, set your gaze on Jesus. If you want to guard your heart, set your face on Jesus. Why don't you stand? Writer of Hebrews says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here's the invitation from the Lord this morning. It's in Proverbs 23, 26. He says, Give me your hearts and let your eyes delight in my ways. Give me your hearts, he's saying to each one of us, and let your eyes delight in my ways for your life ahead. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible privilege that we have of hearing something of your heart for us. Your love for us, that you went to that cross, gave of yourself, that we may come into this relationship with you and we may have our hearts totally changed. You change our heart. You give us a brand new heart, a brand new start. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room this morning who's never made that request of you, where they've said, Lord, would you give me a new heart? Would you take the wrong in my past? Would you deal with it once and for all? And would you set me on a right course going forward? If there's anybody who needs to pray that and say that, why don't you just say that? Lord, give me a new heart today. Take all the wrong that's of my history deal with it wipe the slate clean as it were I pray today in Jesus name God says in response I'll give you a new heart and I will give you ways that will be a delight and honour to walk in in the days that lie ahead and I will not leave you I will be the one even when the traumas and even when the challenges come I will be with you in the fire so today Be assured that as you pray that prayer, he hears from heaven and responds with open arms. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you've prayed a prayer, something on that line, we'd love to chat with you. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. Please do come at the end of the service and chat with us. There'll be a group of guys down here. But I want to pray for us all. (coughs) That, Lord, we would take the instruction of Solomon and that we would, above all, Above all, guard our hearts. In these days in which we live with all the things that can come, with the fiery darts of the enemy that would seek to get in, but we lift our shield of faith today with wisdom that those fiery darts would be quenched in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to put what we have considered this morning into practice in our lives, that each one of us walk with our heads leveled a little higher 
because we are conscious that you are the one who is with us. You are for us and you are greater than he that is against us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.